Hello, Horror Fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly podcast, Oh! oh the Horror! Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe or follow to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can only submit... <laughs> Can only submit only you can also submit any ideas comments and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriously decent.com and you can check our website out at oh the horror podcast.com yeah yeah check we'll the back catalog things. check uh, all the episodes season one season two yes connect to the uh, relevant social media links all that jazz the animals are really into a uh, a mess right now because normally we'd be shutting down and going to bed, but we're gonna clock one in. Or we late would be night. chilling, watching a movie or yeah. a television show. Not and, doing oh, this. Oh no! <coughs> Bless you. You got one more in you. you usually do. Just the one. Just yeah. How about that? Yeah, so Dean's, uh, Dean was all ready for bed because oh, we were yeah. up moving yeah. around. Yeah. We let him out. He's oh, it sleeps time. Yay. Even looking right downstairs, like, yeah, we're going, right? Oh, yeah. no. But I have to admit, creative director, always happy, always positive, yep. came in, did his little waggly tail, gave you a hug, gave me a hug. Yep. He's a great creative director. Yes. HR, however, is probably going to be meowing and pissed. So if you hear some meowing, that's HR. Yes. Telling us all the things that we have done wrong hey, in her life. We're a non-union she shop. She did go to the vet this week. Yeah. And she hates to go there. She hates to leave the house. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Even when she steps outside the house, she's like, oh my God, what did I just do? This room's Take huge. me back in immediately. Yeah. It's weird. They're, those two animals could not be any different going to the vet. Well, let's be honest. They are polar opposites. Period. The end. Period. Yeah. The yeah. only the only thing is is they're both timid in a lot of ways. That's the yeah. one thing they have in common. Yeah. They're timid. But like the vet, that's a. That's oh, it's one of Dean's favorite places. Yeah. Sees yeah. all his peeps. He's yep. got to make the rounds. Oh. His girlfriend was taking care of Mystique. Yeah. She was crying the whole time, and I turned to I turned to Jade, and I go, imagine how much fun it would be moving with her. And she goes, <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You had to do that. Let's see. Once, twice, three, four, five times. Yes. Ish. Yeah. Two long hauls. Yeah, I know. She doesn't give up either, does she? No. She, it's. I would, asked this because I wasn't in the car on neither of those trips with no, her. No, you weren't. Yeah. Uh, Strategically. And she is, you'd think she would like get horse or. Or just figure it out. No. No. I'm, I'm just thinking like physically. Yeah. She just, would stress out her vocal cords to the point where she couldn't. Yeah, no. or, or just no. meow herself to sleep. As a matter of fact, she gains a little bit of momentum. A little, a little pep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a warm-up in the beginning. Yeah. And then yeah. 
She's show ready. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So we got uh, episode 72 this evening. Okay. Or this morning, if you're listening right when we drop. Yes. But it's this evening for us. Correct, it is. We are doing a twofer again. We are. A BOGO. A BOGO. Again. Sure. That's Buy a... one episode, you get one free. So do you want to go first or me? I will go first. Okay. So wh- what are you doing first? Santeria. And I'm doing New Orleans. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I figured we'd uh, divvy it up a bit. Yes. I have... <laughs> I have a pretty detailed description, honestly. Really? I My source is bbc.co.uk, uh-huh. religion, religions, Santeria. Now, I don't know if I have another source in here, but like I have it broken down pretty cool. So let's right. get into, the, into this because there's a lot of ground to cover. That's good because I got a lot of ground to cover as well. So Right. Santeria means way of the saints and is an Afro-Caribbean religion based on Yoruba beliefs and traditions with some Roman Catholic elements added in. Mm. The religion is also known as La Regla Lukumi and the Rule of Osha. Uh, Santeria is a syncretic religion that grew out of the slave trade in Cuba. So their beliefs are... The religion focuses on building relationships between human beings and powerful but mortal spirits called orishas. A jumble of different materials, including an anvil, sticks, a figurine, and painted symbols, are part of the Santeria shrine in an old Havana backstreet. So that's one of the places where these people would go and focus their religion on building like you said, the relationship, Mm -hmm. followers believe that these spirits will help them in life if they carry out the appropriate rituals and enable them to achieve the destiny that God planned for them before they were born. This is very much a mutual relationship as the Orishas need to be worshipped by human beings if they are to continue to exist. If you had watched the movie Merlin, Mm -hmm. where they're... They talk about, you know, there's this whole back and forth with uh, Queen Mab and Merlin. And eventually it comes down to Merlin just walks away from Queen Mab. Yeah. Because no one is believing anymore. And with no one believing, she had no power. Similar situation here. Mm -hmm. In a Supreme Court case in 1993... Justice Kennedy, in his decision, said, The Santeria faith teaches that every individual has a destiny from God, a destiny fulfilled with the aid and energy of the Orishas. The basis of the Santeria religion is the nurture of a personal relation with the Orishas, and one of the principal forms of devotion is an animal sacrifice. According to Santeria teaching, the Orishas are powerful but not immortal, they depend for survival on the sacrifice. And again, that was Justice Kennedy from 1993. Mm. Orishas can be perceived in the physical universe by initiates, and the whole community can share in their presence when they possess a priest during some rituals. So let's get to the influence of Catholicism. 
The Roman Catholic element in Santeria is most obvious in the way Orishas are associated with Catholic saints such as uh, St. Barbara, Shango, who embodies justice and strength and is associated with lightning and fire, Our Lady of Charity, Oshun, the Yoruba goddess of the river, associated with water, yellow, sweets, money, and love, St. Lazarus, uh, Babalu Aye, who is associated with the sick. Followers of Santeria are often nominal Roman Catholics as well. Catholic symbols are sometimes used in Santeria rituals. They are holy books. There are no scriptures. It is passed on by word of mouth. All of it, word of mouth. No books. That's what I thought. History. The growth of the Santeria faith, the way of the saints. Hold on. Essentially, an African way of worship drawn into a symbiotic relationship with Catholicism. And that was from the Encyclopedia of Religion uh, by Marcea Eliade. Santeria is an amorphous, practical, and oral tradition which promises wisdom and power in dealing with life's hardships. Santeria, the way of the saints, is uh, the religion is also, we did that, Santeria... We did, oh my God, what happened? Okay, the center of the religion is Cuba, but it has spread to the USA and other nearby countries, particularly after the Cuban Revolution in 1959. Now, I thought Santeria came sooner. I thought it came uh, as part of the slave trade when, Mm -hmm. like, Marie Delphine Lalaurie, Mm -hmm. like, during her time. But apparently, it didn't actually start spreading here in the U.S. until 1959. Yeah, I would probably venture a guess that it might have been earlier during that time. Yeah. But just didn't pick up any momentum. Could be. It's possible. Also, though, this is where movie magic kind of can skew things. Because most people that would have a knowledge of this type of stuff would be from movies. Right, and however yeah. they did movies and however they captured it from there. Right. Just yeah. to sell a movie. And for a long time, Santeria was a secretive underground religion. It is yeah. becoming increasingly visible mm-hmm. in the Americas. Once dismissed as a ghetto religion practiced only by the Caribbean poor and uneducated, Santeria has a growing following among middle-class professionals, including white, black, and Asian-Americans, there are police officers in New York City who pray to Obatala, the father of all deities, or Orishas, before they slip on their gun belts. There are lawyers and professors, civil servants and musicians whose homes are filled with altars laden with flowers, rum, cake, and cigars to keep the gods happy and helpful. Many dress in white to symbolize purity. It's good stuff to, you know, leave. Yeah. Rum, cigars, and, um, sweets. Lizette Alvarez uh, made a reference that after years of sec- uh, secrecy, Santeria is suddenly much more popular and public. And that was a New York Times article from the f- uh, January 27th, 1997. Mm. Revolutionary Cuba clamped down on Santeria at first, but over the last 15 years or so, the government tolerated it more and more and now allows it to flourish. Cynics say that this is because Santeria brings considerable hard currency to the island. 
It's difficult to know how many people follow Santeria as there's no central organization and the religion is often practiced in private. Some estimates go as high as 100 million Santeria believers worldwide. But, you know, they it's don't It's a similar know. path like with Wiccans, you know. Yeah. I mean, you just don't really have a central organization group that kind of keeps the books right. on yeah. things. It doesn't have that architecture. And that's the reason why it's so appealing to people. Yeah. It's because yeah. it doesn't have that structure. So. so let's get into the correlation between Santeria and slavery. Santeria was created in Cuba by the mingling of the Yoruba traditions brought by enslaved Africans from uh, Nigeria and Benin, along with the Roman Catholic faith of the Spanish plantation owners. Attempts were made to convert the enslaved Africans, but while they accepted much of the missionary teachings, they didn't find that these provided sufficient religious fulfillment. They continued to practice their own rituals, which they found to be useful and effective, and which, most importantly, filled the spiritual space in their lives, torn from their original cultural foundations. So I get it. I get that, you know, you're, you've been removed from your homeland. Yeah. You're being forced into this servitude life yeah. that you didn't sign up for. Mm-hmm. And then they're trying to whitewash you essentially like you know you can't do those things you know those things that you were doing before no you have to do things this way you yeah there's a level this. of indoctrination yeah. there yeah and yeah that's where like i said i think this goes a lot more underground yeah further back <clears throat> it just makes sense yeah keep keep these small things that kept you what you are right and not lose touch with what you are yes that would seem natural to to every single way possible right so what happens next is remarkable in cuba the catholic church was tolerant of ethnic traditions and even allowed various african groups to create their own quote-unquote clubs which became known as the cabildos the cabildos were not only ethnic clubs, but also religious organizations under the secret leadership of a Babalao, the religious functionary whose patron divinity was Oranmila, Mia, sorry, the oracle divinity of the Yoruba. The contact between African religion and Catholicism in Cuba yielded a synthesis known as what we call Santeria. Mm-hmm. There was a strong symbiosis between the Catholic sacramental system and that of the traditional African religion. Under the Yoruba Babalawa, the Catholic calendar was wisely utilized for the veneration of African saints. The word Santeria itself means veneration of the saints. And that's per Charles H. Lippe and Peter Williams' Encyclopedia of the American Religious Experience. Rituals and customs. Shirtless, dark-skinned man with symbols drawn on his face is all part of, like, they dance, they, they're scantily clad. It does allow human beings to stay in contact with the Orishas, and these rituals include dancing, drumming, speaking, and eating with the spirits. You know, they sit there and they, they're drumming and they're just playing their drum. Huh, Frank? Yeah. yeah. Santeria has few buildings devoted to the faith. Rituals often take place in halls rented for that purpose Mm -hmm. 
or privately in Santeria homes, which may be fitted with altars for ritual purposes. During appropriate rituals, the Orishas are able to meet believers at these sacred spaces. Material for use in Santeria rituals can be bought in specialist outlets called botanicas. These rituals can include Roman Catholic elements. Lydia Cabrera notes that in Santeria, one ritual against the evil eye combines a specially prepared herbal bath with three Our Fathers, three Credos, and three Ave Marias. And that's per Hector uh, Avalos' introduction to the U.S. Latina and Latino religious experience from 2004. Mm. Bembe. One major ritual is a bembe. This ceremony invites the Orisha to join the community in their drumming, singing, and dancing. The Orisha may seize the head of a person or mount them as if they were a horse and cause that possessed person to perform spectacular dances and to pass on various messages from the Orisha to community members. And that often leads to animal sacrifice in Mm. Santeria. It's central to Santeria, as a matter of fact. The animal is sacrificed as food rather than for any obscure mystical purpose. Mm -hmm. Followers of an Orisha will offer them food and sacrifice animals to them in order to build and maintain a personal relationship with said spirit. Mm -hmm. The process not only brings the worshiper closer to their Orisha, but makes them more aware of the presence of the Orisha within them. This is a mutual process. The food is essential for the Orishas who will die without being fed, and in return, the Orishas are able to help the worshipers. Orishas are also nourished by other forms of worship and praise. Sacrifices are performed for life events such as birth, marriage, and death. They are also used for healing. Without sacrifice, the religion would die out as sacrifice is essential for initiation into the faith community and the ordination of priests. The animals are killed by cutting the carotid arteries with a single knife stroke in a similar way to other religious methods of slaughter. When they say um, religious methods of slaughter, think the uh, kosher way of... yeah. The whole, co- the whole kosher diet, <laughs> yeah. basically. Yeah, but well, there's the, a kosher um, rabbi actually oversees the slaughter yeah. of kosher beef. Yeah. No, and basically, this is where I often get upset a lot with the term sacrifice and how people use it today and how they've used it in the past, let's say, right. 30, 30, 40 years or mm-hmm. so. I think it's, it's really... It's comfortable for people to say, oh, the sacrifice is terrible and right, all yes. this type of stuff. Now, when you can just go to a grocery store, get your food, and come to. So, right. basically, like, the sacrifices that you just explained, mm-hmm. life events and all that type of stuff, people do that now, and they sacrifice animals for it. Thanksgiving, a turkey. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Christmas, a ham. Well, uh, Easter, the entire uh, time. And- our ancestors were growing up when they didn't have a grocery store where they yeah. could just go and pick up their prepackaged meat. Yeah. They had to slaughter their own animals. Well, their own animals or yeah. they'd hunt and I gather their own animals. But sacrifice what in itself has a bad connotation because people associate that with, oh, you're sacrificing people. Like, and that's not 
necessarily I'm the not case. even getting like uh, there's groups that do weird sacrificial stuff yes. you know sacrificing people yes, and yes. all that stuff I'm I'm not going to try to gussy that up but what I'm getting at is is even sacrifice like it's still the same term it's the same meaning mm-hmm. they sacrifice their own animal yes. or they sac- they had to sacrifice that for a meal to bring everyone together right. to practice this idea. Mm-hmm. And it was just all molded into one of being thankful and grateful grateful, mm-hmm. and, and all of these traits. And people do this to this day. When someone's born, they get together and they have a meal. Yes. Now, it's taken for granted in today's context because you can just go to a supermarket, yeah. get all the stuff you want, yep. or even go, call like a restaurant and have them cater it. Mm-hmm. And bring it over, yeah. depending on how you're doing it. But if you took all that away, mm-hmm. all of that preparedness Correct. ready at your fingertips, yes. you would have to go to a place mm-hmm. and get an animal to prepare yes. for said event. Yes. And it would be a sacrifice mm-hmm. to get everyone together and mm-hmm. and enjoy this and, and have a wonderful moment. Yeah. And, and that's where... Like I said, you really see the time change. Mm-hmm. And it's not that the times change. It's just people change. And they look at words differently. Yeah. Like I said, to me, that just frustrates me because it's the same thing. Right. Yeah. But you're just so distantly removed from the preparation end of it. Right. That you just don't know what you're doing anymore. Right. And I think that's revealing. So animals, topic. <laughs> animals are cooked and eaten following all Santeria rituals, except healing and death rites, where the sickness is believed to pass into the dead animal. Eating the sacrificed animal is considered a sharing with the Orisha, who only consumes the animal's blood while the worshippers eat the meat. Sacrificial animals include chickens, which is the most common, mm-hmm. pigeons, doves, ducks, guinea pigs, goats, sheep, and turtles. The USA Supreme Court has stated the Church of Lukumi Babalu Aye versus the city of Hailai, 1993, that's where Justice Kennedy noted that it is constitutional for Santeria worshipers to kill animals for such a ritual sacrifice. Well, yeah, because it's the state and government not interfering with religion. So organization. The good old days. There is no central organization in Santeria. A vital unit of the Santeria community is the house called a casa or ile. This is often the house of a senior Santeria priest who heads an extended family. He, or more often she, is the head of the ile in the deeper sense of family. He or she is godmother, godfather to a family of sisters and brothers and santo, which means in the spirit. Mm -hmm. In the minds of its members, the core function of the ile is to honor the spirits and receive from them, in turn, guidance and assistance in all of life's endeavors. The Orishas offer their children spiritual experience and heavenly wisdom, which is marked by progress in the initiatory hierarchy of the ile. Ile sets out a path of spiritual growth, a road in Santo. And that's from Joseph M. Murphy, Working the Spirit Ceremonies of the African Diaspora from 1994. Mm. The members of the Ile relate to each other in much the same way as members of an extended biological family. There may be an elaborate hierarchy based partly on the levels of spiritual development that family members have reached. An Ile may be large or small, 
Elys are independent but may join up for special occasions. Membership is taken seriously and members are expected to take part in the life of the Ile. Many people are involved with Santeria to a lesser extent without becoming members of an Ile. Initiation. Members mostly join as adults, usually after feeling that a particular Orisha has called them to do so. Many testify that it was their experience of a life-threatening illness which first prompted their devotion to an Orisha. Illness, they say, is a call from the Orisha, a crisis to awaken one to one's destiny as a servant of the Orisha. Their subsequent pact with the spirit reflects both their respect for the power of the Orisha to claim their lives and their gratitude for the Orisha's agency in effecting a cure. And that's per Joseph M. Murphy, Working the Spirit, Ceremonies of the African Diaspora from 1994. A couple of these books I would like to check out. Yeah. Initiation is a solemn and life-changing event for the follower and unites them with their Orisha and with other followers of that Orisha. The priesthood. Santeria has a priesthood that includes both uh, men and women. Priesthood involves training and initiation. The priest may be a Babalorisha, father in the spirit, or Iyalorisha, which is a mother or wife in the spirit. The Spanish words for these priests are Santero and Santera. Priesthood is not a full-time paid job and is often combined with their ordinary, regular job slash work. Mm, mm-hmm. A priest has, quote, made the saint, which means they have been, quote, reborn in the spirit and made a commitment to serve a particular orisha. Priests have special powers because they have been entered by an orisha. And in so doing, they are divining the future. Mm -hmm. And these powers are thought to allow them to predict said future and future events. Um, Divination mediates between earth, IA, and heaven, Oran. It proffers counsel and guidance to believers at all critical junctures and transitional experiences of the life cycle. That's per Eugenio Metabag, IFA, and Interpretation and Afro-Caribbean Literacy Practice in Sacred Possessions, Voodoo, Santeria, Obeya, and the Caribbean. Yeah. Divination can be done by casting palm nuts, <laughs> interpreting the fall of the shells, or using a divided coconut. Santeria also includes the Yoruba divination system called Ifa, which can only be performed by a senior male priest called a Babalawo. The ritual involves throwing an ikwale, a chain of eight shaped pieces. The way in which these pieces fall is used to provide the guidance. Healthcare. Santer- so that's basically like those, uh, when they say like throwing bones. Yeah. 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 Santeria priests have a great knowledge of traditional medicine and herbalism and often play an important role in the health of their community. Their health care draws on Catholicism as well as African tradition. Holy water is an ingredient in many Santeria medicinal formulas, mm-hmm. and Santeria health care is often combined with conventional medicine. Yeah. So it's not an all or nothing. Mm-hmm. And that, folks, is just a bird's eye view of Santeria. Yeah, it's cool. We definitely got to get deeper yeah. Into that, I, I like how we divided these two up. I've given, like, the tourist version yeah. of them. Uh, I find amazing how many, for lack of a better term, 
religions contain the same ingredients. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah. And I say lack of a better term of religions because it's either spiritual following or Mm -hmm. spiritual conquest or whatever. But yeah, like the, like the, the, uh, Cracking the coconut, seeing the contents. Yep. It's like tea leaves. Yeah. With, mm-hmm. you know, other other practices and throwing uh, the palm nuts is throwing like throwing uh throwing runes. Runes, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 And yet you have these um I think and it the really more just things change the more they stay the same. Well, no, but it also goes back, I hate drilling a reoccurring theme, but like some of this you can really just see like I said, it's the biggest thing I learned with this podcast is like how baked in our DNA, some stuff is. Yes. Because, like, yeah. you have this. This is a whole group, like, out in Africa that's doing this. Mm-hmm. Or Cuba. Mm-hmm. However you want to slice the right. the axe, you know, on when, where this all started or whatever. But, like, throwing the runes. Yeah. was more of a European thing. Yeah, that was more and Norwegian. Norwegian mm-hmm. and, you know, off through there. And, and yet... Two groups that never really encountered each other that much. Yep. And yet they're doing similar things mm-hmm. to achieve a certain effect. Yeah. And to actually to achieve, like, they're doing similar things to achieve the similar yeah. outcome. Like, yeah. they're doing the same or similar without even consciously knowing it. Yeah. yeah, and like I said, I, that's where I really see it baked in the DNA with yeah. things. And that's where, like, some people sit there and say, oh, you know, you could take God and the idea out of God with everything, mm-hmm. you know. And that's what a lot of the, like, very poster ath- atheists will say. Right. You know, you can take the God out of all this stuff, and man's just going to figure this out, so to speak. And yeah. it's like, no, this is no. so baked yeah. into the DNA yeah. Of human beings. Like you're doing it without even knowing it. Like they're not knowing it, but you're doing still it. still have Neanderthal DNA, which means yeah. at points they could just be like, what was that? Yeah. Bear? <laughs> even though they're in their house, in their bed, asleep, like yeah. there's no possible way that that's a bear, but they're still like, holy shit. Well, it could just, be a mammoth. No, just the 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 fight or flight <laughs> yeah. thing, and like the yeah. the fight or flight thing is just so high and baked into the DNA because it's still yeah. retained through there. Yeah. No, and it's just like I said, as as we've done this podcast, it just it rings over and over yeah. and over again. And I everybody asks like, oh, what's you know, a lot of people that'll ask me, you know, and I'll say, oh, you know, we've done seventy episodes or whatever. Right, I yeah. say when I walk by them, they're they're like, well, you know, what's the biggest thing you learned out of all of it? And it's like, a, I've learned a ton. A massive yeah, no, amount. No. Like I've, I've. I don't think there's a, even a way to measure. Yeah, how much like the, I've the, learned. the stuff we've yeah, learned on yeah. this is like amazing. But I think to the point where like two more years of this, and <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what we're gonna be, but I think we're gonna be something. I think we're gonna you know? be SMEs. We're I think we're be subject, yeah, subject matter, matter experts. experts. Yeah, <laughs> and but the big thing that I've grasped from all of it was just this. There's these things that are just in our DNA. Yeah. And you can't... You can't change that. You can't work that out of people. No. You can't... No. You know, we're... We keep talking about it, especially where you really see it as the cults. Yeah. The cults, it's huge because people are just manipulating this little thing inside of you. Right. And like we were talking about today when we were shopping. Mm-hmm. And I was just like... I remember talking to your sister at one point. And who knows if she'll ever remember it, but... 
But the fact is, is like we were walking somewhere. It's like, yeah, this whole store is designed for you. Yeah. It's not designed for me no. as a male. Yeah. It's designed for you. Yeah. And they know everything that takes your attention. Oh, yeah. They know they how. They mix in the shiny thing. Yeah, but they the... the whole layout of the store mm-hmm. is how you want to wander and feel yep. comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's all about, because it's not by a man, because a man would just be straight here, straight back. Yeah. And and no distractions, but everything like you go to a home goods or something like yeah, that. At home, I think it's the best representation. Because, at home or home goods, yeah. It's just you've like you've got to go like around. Yeah, home goods and, is a cheese maze with yeah. stuff everywhere, mm-hmm. which is a female heaven. Oh yeah, it's a woman heaven to yeah. walk through something yep. like that. You know, TJ Maxx. And yeah, yeah, it's just and it's it's made specifically for you. Yep. And and it's not made for me. No. And you and you'll see it really like in a dick sporting goods shop or whatever. It's wide open. Yep. You know, plenty of space because if you got somebody fucking around in front of you, you can just go whoop right yep. around them. Yep. Bing, boom, get out, and get that's your it. shit and go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's and everything's very organized. You have this stuff here, that stuff there. Yeah. It's not kind of hodgepodge a little bit to no. You know, and it's just amazing because that's again that's a DNA thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's just baked in your cake. Yeah. And and there's no controlling that. And that's where like s- like sales and marketing, that's evil stuff to me. Oh yeah. It well, really that's like is. Target. You you yeah. go it. All right, I'm going in. I need toothpaste mm-hmm. and I need toilet cleaner. Yeah. And you come out with everything but the toothpaste and the toilet cleaner that you went in there for oh, yeah. in the first When first I worked part time with the grocery store, every person that came in they're like, "Yeah, I came in for milk." 80 bucks later. Yeah. You know, oh, I came in for eggs, $120 later. And I just used to laugh at that. It's like, you've got a spending problem. If you came in here for eggs and walked out with $120 worth of stuff, you know. So in keeping with this note, for all of you listeners, (laughs) do yourselves a favor and check out the Target Dress Challenge. Oh, my God. If you just Google search it, it's... It's really worth your time. I still haven't seen it yet. It's, it's... hysterical because they've got a uh, a dress line, and I'm using those. I <laughs> I mean, they call it the Prairie Collection or the Blessed Be the Fruit Collection, yeah, yeah. and they're like, I'm about done with this. So what they did was a bunch of prairie, essentially, challenges with these dresses. It's a lot of dudes. Yeah. And these dresses yeah. holding like chickens and shit. Yeah, yeah. It's it's well worth I still it's haven't well checked it out. I gotta time. check it out. <laughs> but it's even like watching an ad on TV. Like you you could just be hanging out and then like a McDonald's ad'll come and you're like, Man, I could go for like a fucking quarter pounder or something like that. Yeah. They just and that's so sub level. Yeah. And I remember growing up, like they were like, commercials are gonna they're going to deliver subliminal messages to you. They were all worried about that. Remember? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was like they were. And now, like you see it, it's just willy nilly. They're like, oh, yeah, no, it's subliminal. Everybody knows it. It's cool. You know. <laughs> Not only are they cool, God, with it, they're you know, like, yeah. Gotta, Social media is set up exactly that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's catered to either what you're trended to do or what we've recently find out found out not to get too tinfoil hatty what they want you to do yes. and what you want you to how know. they want and that's you. the 
to be honest, yeah, and to yeah. be honest to a lot of people in the in the audience that might be shaking their head right now, that's the problem we're having right now. Yes. Because, like, even Netflix, it got to a point where it was just like Netflix, it, everybody used to talk about how creepy it was. It's like, here's some movies you might enjoy. And it's like, geez, Netflix, those are all movies I would enjoy. Yeah. How do you know that? Yeah. You know, yep. and, and that's when Netflix first came out, and it was just like, it was awesome. It was. You know, where now it's just like, this is movies we think you'd like, but it's more like Netflix saying, this is movies we think you should be watching. These are it the has movies nothing, we want you to watch. It has nothing yeah. to do with my viewing behavior. No, it has no. nothing to do with what I put my interests as I remember in when we... And I'm not trying to create a divisive no. thing, but that's where... That's where streaming, like, people are having problems with that. It's just like, look. I, I get it. I pay for the service. I was in it from the beginning. Yes. And you guys nailed this. You had it great. They did. You know. Remember, I would go on my profile and yeah. it would all be a bunch of horror movies. Mm-hmm. And Especially then- after September, like August, September, yeah. October. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like it got to a point where it was just horror movies. Yeah. That's that like that was the only option yeah. I had on my profile. I remember you you, mo- <laughs> you put that on in front of my mom. My mom was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, I know. Is this all like, you watch? And it's like, like yeah, I'm pretty much. Sorry. And then <laughs> fast forward, I think it was a year, and all of a sudden, I'm getting these stupid like rom com things. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys know this, but I no, hate them. You're not a rom com queen. I. You know, I'll watch the occasional one, yeah. whatever, but, like, I have to be in a mood for it mm-hmm. because I just don't like them. Yeah. I like, something needs to happen within the first five minutes. An explosion, somebody's got to die. That's why you and I do so well. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. really is. Give me some, give me some meat to- on that bone. Topher's brother Grizz was always <laughs> like, if nobody dies in the first five, if somebody dies in the first five seconds, I don't care what it is, I'm staying. You right, know, it's just uh, yeah. You gotta find or out. some like crazy yeah. event or something. All of a sudden, you're in, you're immediately at you're engaged. Yeah. What happened here? Why yeah. did this happen? Oh, exactly. What is this gonna be all about? Buckle yeah. up, because this is gonna be a fun ride. Yeah. And then, and uh, this is the dress I wore for this wedding. <laughs> no. But I get you. I get the rom coms because <laughs> girls love a good cry. I understand it. Uh, so, New Orleans. Yes. I had to figure out how the hell to do this because New Orleans is a it's wide a huge, and deep topic wide, here. Broad. So mm-hmm. we're gonna plow through the history of it and then I figured I'd explain some some legends and facts and things like that and and why they do certain things. Because okay. some people know that New Orleans they do certain things, but I don't think they understand why. Okay. I figured we'd start with that and then uh by all means, if you're a New Orleans fan, this isn't all we're going to do on New Orleans. There's there's a ton to dive deep in here. So basically for sources, uh, I got the history of New Orleans from uh, experienceneworleans.com. It's a history yes. type thing. Yep. It was adequate. And then I really just kind of surfed all over to grab these kind of just little Nuggets. facts and yep. nugget tidbits. So basically the Gulf South was originally in- inhabited by Native Americans, and that was around like 1,000 BCE. And uh, I'm not starting from there, but it's more of just a launching point of like the last known inhabitants. Right. Or the, la- the longest yes. known mm-hmm. inhabitants. But basically by like the 1690s, fur trappers and traders uh, reached the region. In 1718, French explorers led by Jean-Baptiste Le Seigneur de Benville <laughs> 
founded the colony of uh, La, La Nouvelle Orleans in honor of Philip II, Duke of Orleans, and then Regent of France. Mm-hmm. And like typical colonization, life in the colony was freaking tough. Yes. And especially there, the climate just was this recipe of disease and disaster. Because it's like super like humid, right? Well, it's humid mm-hmm. and it gets just, it's Hot. wet. Yep. All, you know, and uh, it just, um, a lot of, as you're going to learn, a lot of things that happened then still happening now. Uh, but colonists, like in other areas, persevered. Uh, 1722, a hurricane flattened much of the colony. Okay. Shocker. Yep. Uh, assistant. You know, if you're the only ones that think hurricanes are happening now, no, they were there the whole time. The whole time, time. yep. And a, uh, a city engineer, Adrian de Pajur, drew up plans for a 7 by 11 block rectangle that would become known as uh, uh, Vieux Carré or Old uh, Square. I'm going to butcher these names, and I always say I will. Uh, this is where you can find basically the kind of mold of New Orleans uh, culture and architecture started back then, uh, 1722. And uh, a street is named in his, uh, his honor in what is now the Marigini or Margini era. So then it was basically uh, like French, then it went to Spanish, then it went back to French, mm-hmm. just back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Britain won the Seven Years' War in 1763, Spain was given the land west of Mississippi. So... New Orleans at this time, mostly French population, obviously wasn't excited at all to suddenly be Spanish. Yeah. That didn't work out. So conflict broke out. And you can, we'll touch more about that on a different topic about the defense of the city, uh, forts and things like right, that. Yeah. Basically, New Orleans at this point remained under Spanish control for about 39 years. And during this short period, the Spanish were instrumental in making New Orleans a a really thriving port city, Mm -hmm. which it's still today. Uh, Then there was a great fire in 1788, and much of the the square was rebuilt in second-generation Creole and Greek revival styles with European courtyards that offered seclusion and privacy. Um, Madame John's legacy at 632 Dumain Street is actually one that survived the fire. Okay. So that's a um, an example of traditional French colonial architecture in the quarter. Mm-hmm. In 1800, uh, control of New Orleans returned to France, but just for three years, because in 1803, Napoleon sold the entire Louisiana Territory to the United States for $15 million, yep. which would basically be about $233 million today. Mm-hmm. And it's still, uh, you know... Uh, a cheap price for basically it's like 900,000 square miles of land. Yeah. That was part of the Louisiana purchase. And that's what doubled the size of the United States, essentially. Pretty much at that point. Cause yeah. it was just the Eastern colonies yeah. through there. Yep. Yep. So uh, one year after the Louisiana purchase, the Haitian revolution brought an influx of French speaking immigrants to new Orleans, followed by another wave of immigrants from St. Domingue in 1809 to 1810 with French, Spanish, Creole, Acadian, African, and now Haitian, and uh, just, you know, a bunch of settlers. And the city... Yeah, the city started to become this uh, destination, you know, while notorious for its wildness and frontier-like feel. Right. So it was a, a, a melding pot, but had this wild aspect to it. 1810, New Orleans was the largest city in the South. Okay. 
And uh, the fifth largest in the United States. Okay. Which, I mean, you think about it, that's 100 years later. Yeah. It becomes this massive just draw. Uh, Louisiana became a state in 1812. And when America went to war against Britain just a few months later, General Andrew Jackson led an unconventional defense force to victory in the famous Battle of New Orleans. You see a statue of Jackson at Jackson Square. It's still up. Yeah, Next right. topic. So despite victory against the Brits, New Orleans wasn't as lucky when Union soldiers came basically during the Civil War. Luckily, mm-hmm. the city was spared the destruction that usually came with a Union occupation. Otherwise, there wouldn't be much to see at all. Right, yeah. So 1900, things are changing. French instruction in schools was fading. The city was industrializing very quickly, like everything in the yeah. 1900s at that point, early 1900s. And the Creole elite were losing their prominence as New Orleans neighborhoods diversified with immigrants of all origins. Right. So it's that typical old money. Yep. Then new money comes through. I think you're going through that with Outlander, isn't it? Something like no, that. No, it's or, the Gilded Age. Or the Gilded oh, Age. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, but that's New York, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So very much but, like the Rockefellers. Yeah, no, that yeah. was nineteen hundreds. That was uh that was New York, it was all these big cities. Mm-hmm. It had all of this old money in yep. and, you know, this new money came in and it changed everything. Yeah. And it really changed the economy, too. They just didn't understand how to move forward at all. No, they didn't. And they didn't want to mix at all. No, it's no. An excellent show. Yeah, yeah. By the guy that did uh, Downton Abbey. So if you're looking for a new show to watch, mm-hmm. check it out. Yeah, definitely. So basically... uh there was an outbreak of yellow fever in 1905 to make matters worse. Yeah. The final uh, epidemic of the disease in the United States, and it, it basically killed over 40,000 residents. It's the perfect breeding ground. Yeah. And then basically. It, New Orleans, the city, if you're looking at it from a science slash yeah. bacterial, Oops. it's a freaking Petri dish. Yeah. You can grow whatever you want there. Yeah. Yeah. Including sweet beignets. No. <laughs> So, uh, so the 1884 World's Fair or a cotton centennial in New Orleans was a big failure, and it opened uh, two weeks behind schedule. And they had attractions like a horticultural hall with plants from all over the world. Mm-hmm. They had a display of 5,000 electric lights, which then was freaking amazing. Uh, but now it's the uh, Autobahn uh, Park and Zoo. Uh, 1900s, uh, Venter A. Baldwin Wood created the screw pump, a powerful and ingenious mechanization that allowed New Orleans to develop much of the back swamp that surrounded the city. They still use the screw pump and it's uh, basically subsequent modifications and incarnations to drain low areas of New Orleans to this day. Okay. So that really kind of changed New Orleans in a, in a big way. Despite the whole character of the place, uh, French was still smo- uh, spoken throughout New Orleans. Uh, and it was the basis of some of the city's unique language. The first few decades of the 20th century were hard on the Big Easy with a disseminating outbreak of yellow fever, like I said before, mm-hmm. followed by hurricanes after that, yep. 1909 and 1915. Uh, in 1925, close to 20 private uh, streetcar companies merged to create what they know today as the Residential uh, Transit Authority. Mm-hmm. Two years later, the Great Mississippi uh, Flood of 1927 was a near miss okay. for New Orleans. 
uh, with waters almost topping the levees while heavy rain still flooded parts of the city. This was also a real just sad period for New Orleans musically when many heavy-hitting jazzmen left the city in favor of Chicago, New York, and other northern destinations and what was called the Great Migration. And if you're not a big fan of music or if you really are a fan of jazz, that was a devastating movement because jazz was really kind of born in those areas. Yes. And... And you had these massive musicians that were mm-hmm. just incredible. And then all of a sudden they just all Stop. migrate out to yep. these other big cities as, you know, they had better chances. Mm-hmm. New Orleans played an instrumental part in the Allied D-Day victory at Normandy. Uh, a local boat builder, Andrew Higgins, created the Higgins Boat, or what was better known as the LCVP, which is Landing Craft Vehicle Personnel. Yep. Learn... Um, you know, basically, they have a National World War II museum where you can learn more about that there. And after the war, the city's swampy surrounding areas were successfully drained. And this is when me- the metropolitan expansion started to pick up speeds. And this is where the growth of suburbs like uh, Gentilly and Lakeview and a bunch of these other places. Mm-hmm. Again, the music, um, you know, just massive. Uh, I got to hit this a little bit because I'm just a music nut. But the 1950s saw the beginning of the return of many New Orleans musicians. And you had like Fats Domino, Mm -hmm. Mahalia Jackson, Irma Thomas, Professor Longhair, Neville Brothers. And then Hurricane Betsy visited New Orleans in 1965, blowing out windows and flooding more than 160,000 homes. By this time, New Orleans were just used to the constant threats from the Gulf. Yeah. But even with promised federal aid, it just took weeks for them to return home. Yeah. And that's the ongoing saga. I could keep going. I mean, the bad news when uh, the Saints, and they weren't really successful, you know, and uh, they just, uh, it, yeah, it, it's a story of hurricanes. Yeah. And it just seems like every time New Orleans starts to get right up and, and built and looking sweet, another hurricane comes through. Well, they're right on the and, Gulf. Yeah, yeah. You're, it, they are in the... It's the perfect storm. They're Mm -hmm. in the perfect location. Yeah. They're right off the Gulf. Mm -hmm. So they've got the warm waters from the Gulf. They've got the cold winds coming down from the north. Yep. They're below sea level. Yeah. And in order to build up their suburbs, they had to drain a swamp. Yeah. They they constantly have to pump out all the, they have to drain out everything and keep walls. It's a really awkward spot. Yeah. But the reason it's worth all the investment of it is because it's an amazing spot for a seaport. Yes. And it, yeah. it that's what keeps it, makes it going. Yeah. You know, I mean. Keeps it alive. Um, the Hurricane Katrina, which everyone was really aware of, mm-hmm. you know, that was uh, August 29th, 2005. And almost 2,000 residents died. Hundreds of thousands of more didn't know when or if they were going to be able to return home. And that was really kind of the first really extensively covered in national and international news. Right, yeah. Uh, But, you know, there was uh, a lot of problems with communication and and just lost links and chain of command. And New Orleans didn't really get the aid they needed. Yeah. The tough part is, too, there's just a lot of corruption in the city. Yeah. And it seems like everybody they get in there, it just keeps. It's just perpetuating. Keeps going. Yeah. 
basically following Katrina, they there are people that just get together and they they, really. re- they rebuild. You know, it's really admirable to see what they do in those times of real hard strife, you know, and that's a product of 300 years of hardship and hurricanes and, yeah. you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. And basically since Katrina, it's kind of grinded to a halt, you know. I mean, it just, uh, it, it, it was off for a while, but now New Orleans is back and better than ever. Uh, they're, I don't know how much they got affected by COVID, but they vote, they got a really great local music scene and culinary food. Mm-hmm. They have, uh, uh, basically Mardi Gras and jazz fest and yep. a ton of other festivals and it's worth checking out. So with all of that, mm-hmm. there's a lot of weird things that happen in new Orleans and yeah. that's, uh, what people get drawn to and, I wanted to do that little history of the bit because yeah. I just find history interesting. But this this is what we come come for is the, the weird facts yeah. and legends and yeah. whatnot. So dead bodies can't be buried underground. Correct. Many may know this, others may not. But the water levels are so high in New Orleans that the dead need to be laid to rest in tombs above the ground so their bodies will not resurface. Because Correct. if you put them into the ground, they just float, float back up. right back up. Jazz funerals began when uh, the yellow fever came through. Mm -hmm. So this is where uh, not a lot of people, you know, this is where people may know things about New Orleans, but they don't know why. Right. So the jazz funerals are the great, you know, because they had that nice jazz music, you know, and they're walking through the streets. And basically people began to believe that the dead were coming back to infect the living during yellow fever. Okay. So during the funeral processions, the body would be carried in random routes through the street right, yep. to confuse the deceased so they would forget where they lived. Yep. And jazz music was added to celebrate the person's life. Mm-hmm. So that's the story behind that. Yeah. There's also, in the 1840s, a sultan from Turkey rented the uh, Gardet Lepret House in New Orleans, where he created a harem. One afternoon, an onlooker noticed blood draining from the home. When the authorities broke down the door, they found dead bodies everywhere. Mm-hmm. Every person in the house had been killed. They discovered the sultan's body in a shallow grave behind the house, and he was apparently buried alive. Oh. And no one ever found out who the murder was. Oh, Yeah. So this is where I say we got a lot of stuff to revisit here where yeah. we're doing episodes of. And I couldn't be happier about it. Uh, five, uh, the whole um, Andrew Jackson Hotel is said to be haunted by five small boys who were killed in a fire when the building was a boarding school in 1778. Mm-hmm. Guests say other ghosts in the hotel, including a nun who leapt from the window and a Confederate soldier. Okay. So we're going to check that fucking place out. Yeah. And then there's the vampires. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Fans of Anne Rice may know that New Orleans inspired most of uh, her gothic novels, which yes. is true. Yeah. Uh, especially uh, Interview with a Vampire. Mm-hmm. That was uh, very, very pulled from there. Uh, locals believe that the city is actually the home of real vampires. Okay. And during the 1930s, brothers John and Wayne Carter were executed for committing multiple murders. About a dozen bodies drained of their blood were discovered after a bloodied young woman managed to escape from their apartment. It's another episode. We're okay. Uh, sightings of the brothers are often reported to this very day. 
Okay. As their bodies mysteriously vanish from the family's funeral vault. Just Weird. gone. Yeah. I bet they didn't do any of those vampire safety precautions when they were burying them. Well, I bet they didn't do the lemon. I bet they didn't do any of those I don't think things. they had any of that stuff, you know, because they were trying not to get yellow fever and pumping water, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, a vampire claimed to be in the French Quarter. Ramon, one of the first known vampires in New Orleans, still haunts the French Quarter. In uh, the 1830s, Ramon or Ramon owned a home in the French Quarter with many servants. When he died uh, and the servants dug a hole for his body in the garden, they found dozens of bodies buried there that had been drained of all their blood. Mm -hmm. The servants kept disappearing uh, after his death. Some say he still lurks at night. Hmm. thought vampires couldn't die, though. That's what they're saying. They're saying they're still lurking around. Okay. Um, so now some families will not leave a corpse aside to keep them from coming back as a vampire. So this is basically called sitting up with the dead. Okay. And the corpse is never left unattended until the body is buried. Okay. The tradition began in the 1800s. It's a okay. longstanding tradition. Yep. If there was a sign of paranormal activity, the family would call a witch doctor to make sure the corpse did not come back as something evil and unnatural. Right. Which makes me think of the... Uh, Zombie. No, the Book of the Dead. Yeah. Where we were uh, talking about how somebody has to come in and read the book. Right. Yeah. Dude, he can't come back as a hawk. He can't have that kind of power. <laughs> so they, awful, they often say werewolves are said to prowl in New Orleans. Okay. Since the 1800s again, people say werewolves hunt in the surrounding... Swamps and cemeteries of New Orleans. So New Orleans is the underworld of the U.S. Yeah, it could be underworld with the lichens. With and, the vampires and the werewolves. Yeah, yeah. lichens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. I don't think there's a whole lot of underground stuff because it's all water. But Yeah, I just say yeah. underworld because yeah, like, that's the... That's my favorite. That's my jam. I know. I know. I know. So there's the voodoo queen Marie Laveau. Yes. New Orleans has a thriving voodoo culture dating back to the early 19th century. Yep. The city's most prominent icon for this religion is Marie Laveau. Yep. An illegitimate daughter of plantation owner Charles Laveau and his Haitian slave mistress. She's, uh, she's known as a hairdresser and practitioner of elaborate voodoo rituals, making her a revered figure in the community. Her final rest, resting place is in St. Louis Cemetery Number 1. Okay. But locals believe that Le, uh, Laveau materializes to lead voodoo worship during St. John's Eve every year. Okay. And let's see. Um, they say she also curses. She placed curses on whomever trespasses the St. Louis Cemetery. Okay. And her large snake zombie is said to be buried with her. Okay. Now we got the LaLaurie Mansion. We did that. Which we did that. Yes, so we did. So if you're into uh, Madame LaLaurie, yeah. you're going to get a brief thing of this. And if you're like, hey, I'd like to know more of that. Season one, baby. Yep. And uh, Marie Laveau and uh, Madame LaLaurie both make an appearance in the American Horror Story Coven yeah. yep. season. Yeah. Check our podcast out first, though. 
Yes, definitely. Before you get in the coven. Yes. It's good, though. <laughs> it's a good season. So from the outside, La Lurie Mansion is a picturesque display of early 19th century architecture with iron wrought balconies and a um, beautiful facade. However, it's notorious for being one of the most haunted buildings in the USA due to its gruesome past. The mansion's owner, Marie Delphine McCarty, also known as Madame LaLaurie, tortured and killed many slaves back in the mid-1800s. Witnesses claim to have seen severed limbs, slaves being suspended by the neck, and the bodies of young children in her house. Entrance isn't permitted, but you get to learn a lot about the grisly history of the LaLaurie mansion by joining a ghost tour. Yes. Or check out. Our season one episode. Correct. The LaLaurie uh, estate used to have a human centipede torture attic, which we didn't cover in no. our episode. So I figured I'd add it here. Okay. In the 1830s, Madame LaLaurie tortured her slaves, as we were talking about, uh, strapping them to operating tables, performing botched sex change operations, mm-hmm. bizarre amputations, other horrific medical exper- experiments. And it is rumored that their souls haunt the property. To this day, the house has not had a single owner for more than a five-year period. Okay. Uh, Let's see. So then a little more information about the St. Louis Cemetery Number 1, which Marie Laveau was in. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's located half a mile northwest of Bourbon Street. Uh, You can visit the tomb of many New Orleans icons. And they have, uh, like, three labyrinth-like graveyards, and they date back to the late 18th century. And most of the intricate tombs set above ground, of course, as we mentioned earlier. You know, you can see Marie Laveau's uh, gravesite at St. Louis Cemetery Number 1. And we got the Grunch. Okay. Have you heard of the Grunch? I have. The Grunch are said to be humanoid creatures that lurk in the woodlands outside of New Orleans. Mm Mm-hmm. These nocturnal creatures are believed to look like an albino chupacabra, Mm -hmm. though some claim they look like goat-headed humans with razor-sharp teeth and claws. It is said that the Grunch lures its victim from their vehicles with a stray goat that appears to be injured. Okay. So if you're driving around and you see an injured straight goat, just keep going. Yep. Nothing to see here. Now, I know you know this one, the Ruggeroo. Rougarou. The That's going to be a future episode. Yes. The tale of the Rougarou originates from southern Louisiana and is often told to young children to prevent them from misbehaving. Yes. This creature is believed to be a human that transforms into a white-colored animal. Variations include wolves, dogs, cattle, or pigs. According to the legend, the Rougarou causes havoc in the streets until an individual kills it. Just before it dies, it becomes human again and warns its killer not to reveal the incident for a year. Failure to do so will cause the individual to become the next Rougarou. Got it. Keeps the cycle going. The Myrtles Plantation is an 18th century antebellum plantation in St. Francisville, about 100 miles northwest of New Orleans. Numerous ghost sightings have been reported over the years, making it, again, one of the most haunted landmarks in the USA. The plantation's most popular and yet-to-be-debunked, they say, Mm -hmm. encounter is the apparition of a young slave girl known as Chloe, or Chloe. Chloe? Yep. That was caught on camera in 1992. 
Today, the Myrtles Plantation operates a bed and breakfast attracting the brave-hearted travelers looking to experience paranormal sightings around New Orleans. We're going there. So we'll do an episode on that mm-hmm. we'll go there. There's a lot to be had there. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a fascinating place. One of Bourbon Street's oldest bars, Lafitte's uh, Blacksmith Shop Bar, I hope I said that right, is said to be haunted by the ghost of Jean or Jean Lafitte. The French-American pirate built the bar between 1722 and 1732 and operated an illegal smuggling business. Staff often catch an apparition dressed in period clothing near the fireplace, while others have reported seeing ghostly red eyes in dark corners of the bar. The blacksmith shop is also haunted by the spirit of a young woman who committed suicide on the top floor. Okay. Heavy stuff. Hotel Monteleone. Hope I didn't butcher butcher that as well. Built in 1886 is a luxurious hotel in New Orleans French Quarter. Over the years, hotel uh, staff and guests have experienced unexplainable encounters. From a locked restaurant door that manages to open and close itself every night, to elevators stopping at the wrong floor and leading people into dark halls. It's believed that the spirit of a toddler named Maurice Beger roams the hall, halls of the hotel. And then we got three more. Okay. An old woman's ghost sits on uh, hotel beds at La Pavilion Hotel. People have allegedly reported that an old gray-haired woman sat on the side of their bed, and when they stayed there, they could feel the weight of her body and her cold hands stroking their head while she said, I will never let you go. Nice. How fucking freaky would that be? That's not creepy at all. I don't know what you're talking about. What would be creepy about it, though? It's like like stroking your head. This is where it's weird to be bald. Because mm-hmm. what does that feel like for me? I don't know. It's a cold, creepy, clammy. It's a lot of they different. They said it was cold. Feel her cold hands. Yeah. Is it cold, clammy hands? Yeah. I don't know. You want me to hold on to my uh, water here for a bit and then rub your head? So then they talk about a hotel provincial, uh, dead doctors and soldiers roam it. Okay. Because parts of that hotel were once a Civil War Confederate hospital. Okay. They say it's haunted with medical staff and wounded soldiers who reach out for help and moan. The hotel staff have seen bloodstains appear and disappear on the sheets. Nice. That would be weird. Yeah. You know, just walking, you know, like say you're heading into the hallway and you see this guy with like period clothes and he's got bandage around his head. Yep. And then you walk in and you just see blood like it's a massacre all over the bed and you turn and it's disappeared. Yep. That'd be weird. So now there's the legend of the casket girls. Have you heard this one? Because um, I ask you while you're yawning. If you're yawning, then they're I, all asleep. I don't now. know offhand but i this would be another start telling it be another see we could pick a few of these and do like a whole episode on them it's great so the legend of the casket girls appeared during the colonization of new orleans when young french women were sent to the city for marriage arrangements okay it's said that these girls who carried a coffin-shaped chest resided at ursuline uh convent until they could be wed to the colonists so that it's kind of like the stopping area the chests were kept in the covenant attic but the contents of them mysteriously disappeared overnight Mm -hmm. 
And fearing a demonic presence, the nuns had the caskets nailed shut and the attic locked and blessed by the Pope. The story takes a gruesome turn when two reporters broke into the attic in 1978. Their decapitated and drained bodies were found the next morning on the staircase of the convent. Yeah. That's demonic. Yeah, some weird stuff going on there. And and the title of that was Three Coffins, 300 Coffins Found Inside a Convent Attic. I'm all over this freaking story right here. <laughs> I'm all over that. That's why I saved it for the last. We're definitely... Uh, we're definitely doing something with that. Yeah. That's New Orleans in a nutshell. All right. Or 30 minutes. <laughs> hey. But yeah, there's a lot to be had there. Someday. We always knew that. It's, it's a bucket it's always list been a, city to uh, visit. Yeah, it's always been a trip for us. But even for future content, this is where we talk about how we have endless amounts of material to hit yeah. without really repeating much. Right. Yes. Which is awesome. I'm just so happy about it because... I love doing this. Yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. So with that uh, with that being said, I'd like to thank just the usual once in a while thank yous that we do. I'd like to thank everyone that's listening to the show. Mm-hmm. To the newcomers, welcome. Thanks for checking us out. Yep. We hope you stay. We are a word-to-mouth podcast. We don't do any av- advertising. We do not. And it's worked out very well for us, so we hope that you can – Keep it going. And if mm-hmm. you know somebody that's into this, uh, let them know and pass us on. We appreciate any and all feedback. You can email us at OTH at SeriouslyDecent.com. You can do that. Or if you have any ideas that would make a cool episode, let us know. And we'll put that to the front of the list. Yeah. We're, um, I, I don't think there's anything else to. I have shared a bunch of stuff to the, um, Facebook group, mm-hmm. uh, they're the Darksome Arts and Crafts uh, Market. It mm-hmm. opened uh, Friday the 29th. Their website went live, and I've been sharing uh, daily the um, you can catch live feeds from Instagram. Yeah. If you follow the Darksome Arts and Craft uh, Market page, you would have access to that information. I'm just trying to share it. If there's a um, a cool like um, vendor video that they share, I'm sharing that as well. I shared, I reshared the uh, big fluffy dog ref rescue um, fundraiser mm-hmm. with the silver bracelets just in time for Mother's Day, mm-hmm. and I. Th- think that's about it as far as the Facebook group. Yeah, and as far as the Facebook group, I know we're sticklers on people that are self-promoting there. Uh, however, if you have a shop and you're selling things, we don't mind that. Yeah, so that's different. The thing is, we have it set up on the Facebook group where if you want to comment something, we review the comment. Correct. And we decide whether it goes or not. Yes. There's nothing personal about it, but if you're self-promoting, for instance, a podcast or something like yes. that, you know what? Create your own group. Yes. That's my opinion on exactly. that. Exactly. And or, I don't think we're being selfish on that. No. However, if you have a store or there's a craft thing that's going on and or- it fits our theme. And it fits the theme. Yeah. Put it as a comment. 
or you know post it on the group and we'll take a look at it and yeah. we'll 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 prove it if we don't see any really big conflicts Correct. of interest so to speak and it's more not conflicts of interest it's just I don't have time to listen and Jen doesn't have time. Well, Jen listens to a lot of podcasts. I but, do. But if you're going to try to self-promote yourself through a group, A, I just think it's a shitty thing to do. Yeah. Uh, come up with your own group and yeah. then talk to us, communicate with us, message us directly and say, hey, would you like to work together on cross-promoting yeah. ourselves? But there's a lot of people in the podcast realm that don't care. No. So if you don't care, I don't either. Mm-hmm. And I'm just gonna deny it every single, single time. time. And I'm gonna have I joy. Do do, and I'm gonna have joy doing yeah. it. However, if you have a store, mm-hmm. or you have an Etsy store, or you have uh, stuff you sell on eBay, or you have yeah, your own site, yeah. a Shopify store, or something like that, and it's in our theme, throw the link on the Facebook group, and like I said, we'll look at it. We'll check it out. Yep. And go from there, because as far as the self-promoting with podcasts, other than me saying it's dodgy, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. I don't know what you're doing. And I'm not I, going there. I don't want to take that chance and you being, you know, first of all, I think you're shitty for self-promoting. Yeah. But I don't want your show to be shitty and have us endorsing you and your shitty show. Right. Yeah. Or your shitty attitude or your shitty. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Just rhymes with shitty. Fair enough. Rant over. Okay. But thanks for listening. We really, really love you. Uh, we're really thankful for you. We, it's funny. We'll see some big boosts and stuff, and yeah, we just see people really checking us out. And and what we love more than anything, we'll be honest, is when we see somebody like watch it. You know, we'll see. We don't see like the first initial deal, but we'll just see somebody going like one view, one view, one view, one one download, yeah. one down, we all the way up one. the all the way up the catalog, and it's like yes, we got another one. So. There's another one that's... Thinks, we got another horror fanatic. <laughs> we got another horror fanatic just like us. Uh, so to all of you that have been here, you know, new, welcome. And uh, we hope we, we can keep it entertaining for you. To the old G's, thanks as always for remaining solid to yes. us. Yes. We it, wouldn't be here without you. No, no. We, we wouldn't would be at all. We talking into the void. Yeah, which we would still be doing yeah anyways. we would do that anyway yeah. so next week we are getting into some good old-fashioned murdering the texarkana moonlight murders yes yeah the whole episode yes no divvy nope. no twofer no, no bogo no no nope. no we're getting into just some straight up old-fashioned murder i've already done my research and i'm just gonna say for the record I'm done uh too. Texas did a lot more uh, research on this particular murder than Arkansas did. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. And I'm currently listening to a podcast about a um, a murder, mm-hmm. well, possible murder, in Arkansas. And guess what? They didn't do any investigation so i'm like oh so that's just clearly a thing there they're like oh mm. that's too bad that that's unfortunate because you, you pointed out two of them so they just don't do it at <laughs> nope. all is that how it yep. works yep yeah <laughs> i hope you're never my jury <laughs> jesus jesus christ it's twice that's it yep they're batting a thousand yep. from central new york 
armchair quarterback and uh hey that's just two recent ones yeah back to back well, Texarkana Moonlight Murders isn't recent no I just I'm talking about <laughs> two yeah different murders that I've researched mm. in the last month research as in listening to a podcast no Here's the thing. You don't understand. When I listen to a podcast, I don't stop there. I go and I start drilling into what they're talking about. And you start, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's a thing. I know, because you stare at your phone constantly. You watch a movie staring at your phone, which I I don't understand that. Well, that's because I don't like the movie or I don't like what's happening. No, it's even a movie you were watching. This show we were just watching. You had your phone up. I had my phone up, but I know why. That last episode was kind of Yeah, bad. exactly. Yeah. So why are you giving me shit? You <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> Don't we have rules or something here? You know what? Fortunately, the phones bring up screen time, and that's the that's the feature you don't want you don't want to compare with me to. Well, I don't like that because <laughs> I work for eight hours and I listen to podcasts no, for it'll, eight hours. It'll tell you whether you're listening to podcasts or whether you're browsing on the internet with your browser. It, it, it'll I just tell get you all that. one lump sum. Yeah. You know, oh, I'll show you. Yeah, no, I don't get that breakdown. You, you do. You're just not looking at it. Right yeah, now. I don't. You're looking at the notification. It's yeah, different. I don't care. Yeah. I know how long I listened. Rule number one. No Ouija boards. We saw that at Spencer's. Talking to you, Spencer's. We <laughs> saw that at Spencer's today. And I had to laugh because you're walking, you go, really? Like you said it right out loud. I'm yeah. like, babe, they've been selling Ouija boards for 40 years plus. <laughs> it's not new. No, it's fucking not. Probably. Rule number two. No dolls. Three. No capes. Four. No blood rituals. Five. No cults, satanic or otherwise. That being said, there's an update to The Way Down on HBO Max. Yeah. So if you're interested in that and losing weight for Jesus, then you got you got a couple more episodes. I have coming. to admit, I wasn't impressed with the part two, two part episodes. Two? Yeah. No. I, you know, if you're into it, watch it, but it's it's nowhere near as moving as the first it doesn't of it. have half the juicy tidbits cuz here's the thing well they're dead that's <laughs> why but here's the thing nothing has happened since she died and that's why it's all like yeah. they keep saying oh her daughter her her children are going to take it over her mm. daughter is literally phoning it in and her son left the church yeah. and divorced his wife. Yeah. So good luck with that. Yeah, and you just got the followers in there like, something's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So I guess this is in the, there's, on their website, they list 38 leadership roles. And one of them is the daughter, who supposedly is supposed to be taking over. Yeah. And she phones in her sermon, and then the other uh, leadership people are actually doing the mass. And their mass is on Wednesday. What the hell? Hump day. Yeah. Like. I wonder if they're hiring. I don't know. It's just weird. Like, I'll hop in there. Why wouldn't I'll why take wouldn't that whole fucking thing have, over. 
like the whole world it's supposed to be like a christian church why wouldn't you have mass on sunday like the whole freaking world because they're a cult not a church well i think that's just further evidence that they are indeed cult yeah yeah six no apathy you need to act to help enact a positive change in the world don't do it no. don't do it you know what in similar in vain to don't let the black eyed children in if you're in New Orleans or Louisiana for that matter don't get out for a goat don't get out for a wounded goat no it's a trick yep it's a it's, trap I know goats can be cute and all mm. but just yep. sometimes if you look at them they do have like evil eyes so you know what yep. no it's bait yeah just Leave the goat. It's bait. Yeah. Yeah. And number eight, mm-hmm. last and certainly not least, yeah, yeah. just listen. Just listen. Just, just listen. I like I like how eight just comes around. It's like, look, dude, just listen. Just listen. Just, just try it. I listen to another podcast and their tagline is, just don't. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just don't. Just don't. Yeah. So with that being said, have a lovely day, a wonderful week. And make good choices. Take care.